what is the purpose of life? Is it to get in a car to see <laughs> somewhere? All right. Well, um, you both had the same idea for Bike Talk. Seems like you, you um, Lindsay and Don, feel that we could open up and be about other things. I would like to talk about Bike Talk as like a wheel with bikes being the hub and the spokes being everything else that we might talk about. Yeah. The thing about bikes is that it really does touch almost everything in our lives, um, either directly or indirectly. And it, it affects the, our lack of ability to bike and this sort of forced car ownership that we've imposed on everyone really is tied to so many things that are just really harming us. Um, and I'll tell you one interesting thing is I interviewed an economist for Bike Talk which will air shortly. And he talked about how economists love bikes because they're the most perfectly efficient thing in the world and economists love efficiency. And that image of an economist on a bike kind of stuck with me because it's sort of like Occam's razor, you know, it's like the simplest solution is often the right solution. And it's like the bike, it's, it's, it's a really perfect thing that does all these amazing things for your life. And yet we hate cyclists, we hate bike lanes, and we, we, we sort of, we love to bike and yet we hate everything, the small changes we would need to do to allow all of us to bike. I wonder what percentage of people really does have a problem with bike lanes and bikes and all the things that we need. I think that when you really dig in with people, they actually really want a bike, um, but they can't. We are so impacted with traffic in LA that I feel like we can't m imagine our lives with more traffic and we can't quite imagine biking. And I, I think that there is definitely, you know, I think women, speaking for myself, I'm too afraid to bike. I don't think it's safe. So it's really hard to imagine getting to a bikeable LA unless you really think about it. So I think we have all these barriers and then our elected officials here, they just hear the, 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 the people just want more, they want less traffic so badly that they really can't make the leap to bikes. What are some of the spokes that bikes connect to? Obviously it's climate because cars are 40% of our climate emissions and Bikes can radically change that. And the climate scientists are flat out saying we need bikes if we're going to really draw down our emissions and really address climate change. And if not, I mean, it's just, it's so unthinkable what we're doing to our kids. Um, so there's climate. Um, there's, <laughs> I've been reading these statistics from Matthew Lewis, who's been on the show, um, who about, he's been tweeting about we spend $3 trillion on cars every year, the US Americans. It's the second biggest thing you, you spend money on outside of where you live, um, outside on you know, rent or a mortgage. Two months of the money we spend on gasoline, we could pay for college for everyone. It, it, it's like, we, I just think it's like, it's like cars are kind of bleeding us dry. Like we, we, 
it, it, it's this hidden expense because also there's all these hidden expenses in cars. You know, you 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 like, oh well, I've got the loan, the car loan. Well, what about insurance, gas, fees, new tires, you know, maintenance? It's the all those cars get all those expenses are just kind of hidden. So it's the number one reason we go into debt. It's the number one reason we default on that debt. So it's like, it's killing us in terms of our, our household budgets. Um, and it's forcing people to stretch. And I think we all feel very stressed out about, you know, about money and like having enough, you know, to pay the rent. And like, I, I've been there where like, I wasn't sure how I was going to pay the rent. And the car is kind of this thing, this albatross. And if you could just remove it, you're really putting $10,000 into the pocket of every single household who gets can get rid of a car. And not, this is not about forcing people out of their cars. It's saying, you know, giving them the option to lead, you know, a full and dignified life where they can get to their jobs and, you know, meet a friend and get across town, um, whether it's on a bus rapid transit or by bike. So yeah, it's, it's, it's it, when you want to think about like what it's doing to us financially, it's this, the lack of bikes is this massive drain. Um, and then you get to health. Um, it's car driving so much. I, I really call it traffic because I think driving is fine, obviously, and people love their cars. Cars actually make people happy, not as happy as bikes, but they do make people happy. Um, but when we're sitting in traffic, what it does to our health it makes us overweight, it makes us obese. It, driving to work versus biking to work, you are doubling your chance chances of getting cancer and health and heart disease. Um, if for every person who could switch to biking and get out of a car, that would cut their healthcare expenses by 20%, which be, would be enough to have a public option to have Medicare for all. So we're, we're talking about these not just enormous healthcare expenses that raise our taxes, which you know a lot of the country really cares about. Um, it's also killing our health, and then there's our mental health. And you know, if you've had, I have had, you know, kids with ADHD. It's it's really hard, and that is caused by that. That can really decrease if they can walk and bike. Um, it is road rage is literally in the DSM. Like it's considered a psychological problem to, to go into road rage. Um, domestic violence goes up 8% on the heaviest traffic days. Like it's, it's the traffic is slowly making us crazy. Um, and then you, and then the, the, and then there's the housing angle and somebody put it perfectly to me the other day. They said, remember in, it, we used to live in, in LA where you could live in a garden apartment, you know, those courtyard apartments um, and the rents were really low. I'm talking like, you know, pre 1950s, pre car, right? You could live off Hollywood Boulevard, right? In a little garden apartment and walk down to Hollywood Boulevard and get on a trolley and go anywhere you needed. The 101 was supposed to be a bike lane and then it became the 101. It, so we lived in this world where you could live in a, you know, a wonderful little, you know, housing unit, shared housing unit, and take a trolley everywhere. We can't build those anymore, because you have to put in parking and boom, that makes them too expensive to build. They don't pencil out. So our, our, it also means that you go into neighborhoods with any kind of density and the parking's atrocious. So we, somebody said, you can have density of people or density of cars and you can't have both. And if you're gonna live in a city, you want density of people because you want people around. You wanna go to stores and cafes and see humanity. It's like, it's part of the, 
you know, the, the, what it means to live in a city. And, and so it's these parking minimums are making it impossible to build the best kind of gentle density, this amazing kind of housing. And then it's also, it's also creating another vicious cycle where traffic is so awful, people are, become NIMBYs and don't want more housing in their neighborhoods because they're like, I cannot deal with one more car. Meanwhile, we have, you know, 40 to 60,000 homeless people and we have, we need 500,000 more units of housing to meet our state goals. How on earth are we gonna absorb 500,000 cars? So by not giving people the option to bike, we are making it also impossible to build housing. So those are the my top reasons <laughs> that bike lack of bike lanes is actually really affecting so many things we care about. Yeah. Don, did you want to add to those? You know, I'm always trying to find a way to sell to the opposition. And it's like, I hear a slam dunk right there. It's like people that complain about traffic, NIMBYs, so-called NIMBYs, like they do have a point in that the new development is just more sprawl, which is more traffic because it's designed poorly because there's there's no density there's it's just like sprawling single family zoned housing so they do have a point they just don't realize that density should be built where we've already ruined the land like downtown los angeles los angeles metropolitan we need density here but rural areas in wild areas i mean we should be working to preserve that because right now they're doing things like they're okaying the uh tihon ranch development which is twenty-five thousand unit development there it's way out there and it's like what are they going to build are they going to build another sprawling you know single family housing development that's just generates traffic or are they going to build it smart where it's like pedestrian oriented and you can walk to the market and do your daily tasks without having to get in the car that's what i'm curious about there's places where you can agree like with nimby's like yeah preserving wild space is important especially when all that gets built there is single family housing sprawl which causes traffic anyway that's my two cents also, as we push people out, then they have to drive into their jobs. So we actually just yes. create more traffic. So yes. They're, yes. They're, we, we, the Bike Talk interviewed Alex Fish, right? And he said 40,000 more people work in Culver City than live in Culver City because they don't literally don't have now, Alex, Is Alex Fish the guy up in Beachwood Canyon? That's a different Alex Fish. He's, a, he's the mayor of Culver City, and he's just really good on bikes and houses. Okay, my bad, my bad. He pointed out that there are 40,000 people who can find a job in Culver City, but have been pushed out of living there. And then they're just driving through the rest of everyone else's neighborhoods into Culver City. I mean, it's it's just, we're sort of creating insanity. And, and yeah, uh, there's, okay, so there's some kind of fundamental, uh, cognitive dissonance, I don't know what you call exactly. it there, where NIMBYs don't understand that having 
safer roads and slower roads in their neighborhood is a good thing where having less people drive through your neighborhood is a good thing or somehow they're not connecting it with you know bike infrastructure and pedestrian safety and that kind of stuff like it's really weird for their own neighborhoods too some people just don't it, it doesn't connect for them I, I see this a lot in like the colorado boulevard beautiful colorado metro brt discussion it's exactly what you said it's cognitive dissonance it's like we we we're caught in this conundrum where we want to get the cars through the system the streets as fast as possible but the speed is actually preventing us from using the streets in any other way um mm. Once you tell people that, I feel like once you point out that at 20 miles an hour, if you get hit by a car, you have a 90% chance of surviving. At 35, 40 miles an hour, you have a 10% chance of surviving. It becomes lethal. And those 15 miles an hour of somebody else driving through my neighborhood, like that is, why am I concerned about that? Why am I risking my life and destroying my community so that somebody else can drive through it fast? You know, and it's, it's like we, it's like we, there's, there's some kind of, there's some kind of like, I think people like commuters, they, they speed through everybody else's neighborhood. They hate it when people speed through their neighborhood, but when it comes to like really speaking out, I think they feel some kind of like, what it's like a cultural acceptance or something where it's like, well, I speed through everybody else's neighborhood. So I guess they got to speed through my neighborhood or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And actually that it's like, that brings up such a good point that like, if we could help people see, and I think they're seeing it because I think COVID woke us all up. If to the, to the idea that having fewer cars and slower cars and making the streets safe is just life-changing. It means that you can let your kid, this is, this is a concept that's out there, you know, through, from slow street advocates that like how amazing if your kid could bike to a friend's house and you don't have to watch your phone to, with dread to see if the phone, this is what a parent said to me, a phone, to see if the phone stops moving because they've been hit by a car. That if, we, if, you, if kids could safely get to a friend's house, that means you don't have to drive them. And it also means that they have this incredible independence. So it's th this idea. And once people start to see themselves, and I think the key is a beach cruiser <laughs> with a basket. Once they can see themselves going to a farmer's market, or somebody said, during COVID, I got out my old beach cruiser and I put a bottle of wine in the basket and I'd ride over to a friend's house. And it's like, yeah, like that's a great <laughs> way to live. Right? I saw a lot <laughs> and of once that. You can uh, yeah, I saw a lot of that um, during COVID. I live in a super suburban area and there were people out for walks on their bikes. Like it was crazy. It was definitely an abnormal amount of people and not much traffic. It was so blissful. Wasn't it blissful? That's the perfect word. And and it also, she, this friend of mine said, yeah. And then I would be 45 minutes late to having a drink with a friend because I'd have to stop and say hi to so many people. But she loved it. It's like suddenly you're talking to friends and neighbors and connecting. And it's like, what is the purpose of life? Is it to get in a car to see <laughs> somewhere? 
<laughs> we brought it. See, Nick, okay, Nick, that's one of the spokes on the wheel. Is what is the purpose of life? That's definitely one of the spokes on the wheel. Throw it on. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Bikes and the, the meaning, the purpose of <laughs> Yeah. With just that statement, with Lindsay's statement right there, we brought it to full enlightenment. Maybe it should be the positive purposes of life, like have it being like joy, right? <laughs> I know, right? Bikes lead to joy. They lead to beautiful streets because you can slow down the cars and you can plant trees and put in bike lanes. They lead to healthy air, right? They lead to like, they lead to more money because <laughs> you have more money in your pocket if you don't have to buy a car. Um, I, I'm sure there's a better way of saying that. I It leads to looking better, feeling better, right? Like you feel great if you bike every day. You're happier, you have better mental health and it leads to, you know, a housing surplus. So rents are low and landlords don't get to you know squeeze people as much how about a fewer wars because of oil yeah undermining russia <laughs> and the gop <laughs> when progressives in la fight bike lanes or let's just say our elected leaders don't lead on bike lanes they're essentially carrying water for the Koch brothers exxon Mobil, right russia mbs they, they're in bed with them in a way they don't really realize. And I'm not saying that they realize this, and I think they don't realize it, because cars are useful. They get us to our jobs. They are aspirational. Um, they're fun. They make, us, they make us happy. But I think that the distinction I keep trying to make in my own mind is between how much a person might love their car, and it's the, what it means to them and the freedom it brings them, right? But then what traffic does to us and how that ruins our day and you know makes us depressed so uh thanks Lindsay. sure <laughs>